Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the presence of the living Christ in scripture and our lives. I'm Lindsay Paris Lopez, writer for the Raven Review, aspiring peacemaker and follower of Jesus. And I am Adam Erickson, pastor in the United Church of Christ and writer at the Raven Review and occasional follower of Jesus because sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget too. It's easy to forget. Yes. This is episode one and we are in the season of Advent. In this episode, we discuss Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. In Jesus Unmasked, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses, which obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear, that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the Revised Standard Version of the Bible and use the Common Lectionary. Hey, Lindsay, how's it going today? Hey, Adam, I'm great. How are you? I am awesome. It's a Wednesday and my kids have late school today, so they head in an hour late. So I just heard them a little bit ago yelling at each other and getting into a fight, which is so fun when I'm about to record a podcast. <laughs> it sounds fun. Well, it is the yeah. best. Well, we are recording on a Wednesday, but we'll be dropping this episode on the Monday of Thanksgiving break right before the first Sunday of Advent. So by the time our listeners hear this, there may be snow on the ground, it'll be a little bit chillier, and we'll be deep into the month of November and preparing our Advent calendars and getting ready to prepare the way of the Lord. Yes, which is awesome. I love Advent because it's not Christmas yet, people. So don't celebrate Christmas from December 1st to December 24th. Wait, December 24th, you can start, right? Right, right. Yes, that's Christmas Eve. So technically you can start. But this whole war on Christmas thing just doesn't make any sense to me. Diana Butler Bass said there's actually a war on Advent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to reclaim Advent because people, it's a time of waiting. Advent means coming. And oh. what you want to do is wait for the coming of Christ. It comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means the coming. Mm -hmm. It is a season of waiting. It's a season of it's a season of cultivating patience and cultivating some peace and quiet in our lives. But I don't know, Adam, this this uh, first verse, uh, this first um, introduction to the Advent season seems anything but peaceful and quiet. Yeah, it's uh, it's a time. Advent generally starts with uh, apocalyptic readings uh, and they're not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I would never pick no. these readings, which is why I like to go by the uh, the lectionary, because it forces you to pick readings that you may not be comfortable with. And this is one of those readings. I mean, we like to talk about a nonviolent Jesus, uh, Jesus who loves everyone. And that's in this text, but it's hard to see. It can be hard to see. So um, maybe we should just dive into it. Yeah, I think we should. I'll go ahead and read it today. So. Okay. All right, so we are 
in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. When I was in college, my one of my roommates had a poster that said, Keep awake because Jesus is coming soon. And I hated that poster. <laughs> I hated that poster because I like to sleep. I don't like to stay awake. So I took it, I was like, there was like a literalism in me that just like pushed that kind of statement away because um, sleep is important for me. But this is much more like about our more modern idea of being woke, right? Right. What, what are you woke to in this world? What is, what is, what are you falling asleep to on a metaphorical level? What is the suffering that's happening in the world that you would rather not see and not be awake to? Uh, because part of the reason that I don't want to be awake to it is because it's painful. It hurts, right? Uh, this kind of division between us and them, and them, and it often feels overwhelming. And so I would rather just be asleep to it. Yeah, I it this is more about being awake to all the things that we can become so desensitized to in our world. I feel like it can be so easy to forget what's going on everywhere in the world besides where I am right now at this moment. The recent violence in, in Syria and Iraq, the, the recent violence against the Kurds recently uh, reawakened me to the fact that my best friend lives in Iraq. And I think of her often, but I don't necessarily think of the situation going on in the country where she's living. I tend to remember I tend to remember her when we were together and relatively safe. And it was kind of an awakening moment that she is safe, by the way. She's safe and, and fine, and thanks be to God for that. But um, all around the world, there is suffering. And sometimes we really don't remember it until something smacks us in the face and we're forced to see it. Um, but of course, when I say that, I do say that through a lot of a lot of privilege, both both uh, racial privilege and class privilege, because there really are people there. There are people in our own nation 
who are vulnerable all the time or who are suffering the effects of poverty or or prejudice as we speak and sometimes those sufferings can't you know sometimes people can't fall asleep from from their sufferings sometimes people are forced to stay awake and forced to be sensitized to them all the time i mean this this passage is a pretty scary passage it reminds those of us who need reminding that there is a lot of suffering and violence in the world but some of us don't need reminding of that some of us live it all the time and don't get any relief from it so that went pretty pretty heavy pretty quickly i think Mm -hmm. um and that's what advent does it i mean that's what this lectionary does in the season of advent it drops us right into the middle of a harsh and suffering world but the good news is that that is the world that jesus comes into that the world that we live in of suffering and pain is the one that god chose to be born into to show us a different way to live yes and it's uh one of the things that's interesting is that it starts off but about that day and hour no one knows and yet people throughout history have always been trying to come up with the day and the hour that all of this will be changed uh and jesus says i don't know when that's going to be i don't know the advent is about christmas waiting for christmas but it is also about waiting for the parousia or the second coming of jesus when he'll come back and so the disciples have asked him when are you when are you coming back to us and jesus says i don't know uh and the only one who knows is the father uh and so don't ask these questions uh because nobody knows you're the mission don't ask these questions because it distracts you from the mission which is to be awake to what is happening in the world. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about when he goes right into the days of Noah. And it's interesting because when I when you first read it, it's you start thinking, well, has Jesus even read the story of Noah? <laughs> because <laughs> the problem in the story of Noah is that people were violent against one another. The days of Noah are evil because they are violent against one another. But Jesus doesn't say anything about the violence that people had back in the days of Noah. He just says that people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day of the flood came. Uh, And so Jesus seems to be saying that people were just like caught up in their daily lives doing what they were doing. But maybe the connection is that they weren't awake to all of the problems within the world. They weren't awake to the mission in order to work with God, in order to transform a violent world. They were just caught up in ordinary things of life. I think that's exactly what it is because because ordinary life and suffering and violence coexist side by side all the time. And it is so easy not to recognize it. And it's even easy to an extent to be caught up in certain cycles of violence and not even recognize the violence we're caught up in. I mean, if we're in the middle of a fist fight, that's one thing. Well, we probably know it. 
But if we're in the middle of, of saying things about someone we dislike, we probably don't understand the violence that we're caught up in. If we're in the middle of really, really harsh partisan battles, I think there's infinite room for policy disagreement and debate. But if we're in the middle of, you know, hating another another person because we don't take the time to understand their point of view and we don't really listen and we're not really dialoguing, we're not really trying to seek a solution, we're just trying to solidify ourselves on the good side against the bad side. That's all violence that we can really become very numb to and really just not even recognize. So our ordinary day-to-day lives and the violence in which we're caught up, they coexist and they coexist side by side, they coexist within our own hearts. And it gets to a point where we're not awake, where we are asleep to the hurt others feel and maybe the, even the hurt that we cause to others. Um, yeah, I, there, there are times when I'm reading these apocalyptic passages and I just want to say to Jesus, man, lighten up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on. Like, where is the Jesus in this where uh, he says, for in those days, the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage i'm like where is the jesus who goes to the wedding party and multiplies right. and changes the water into wine like i think this i think maybe this is it i think maybe like we tend to see the ordinary as just ordinary right like people are giving uh, getting married and drinking and all of this stuff and it's just ordinary stuff but really what i think what jesus opens our eyes to and wakes us up to is that nothing is ordinary there's no such thing as an ordinary wedding or an ordinary meal because every wedding has jesus present every wedding jesus is there trying to change the water into wine so that the party keeps going that's where you find god right every meal has a eucharistic um a, a eucharistic element to it right like right. like like the burning bush is not no bush every bush burning with the presence of God, according to the rabbis. It's not just the bush that, that Moses comes to. And if our eyes are open to God being ever present in, not just as Jesus says, not just in our friends, but also in those who are suffering the most, if our eyes are open to it, if we're awake to it, then we act differently in the world. We, we begin to see there is no ordinary human being because everybody is filled with the spirit of God. Everybody is made in God's image. Oh, I love that. I love that. That makes, that makes a lot of sense and it's beautiful. And, you know, when Jesus says nobody knows when the next coming of the Son of Man will be, you know, I think if we are awake to that, um, if we're awake to the extraordinary in every person, in every experience, then, you know, our eyes can be open to Jesus everywhere. 
Jesus, Jesus said, you know, whatever you did unto the least of these, you did unto me. And, you know, I think he's saying, don't wait, you know, don't, you know, don't try to predict a specific time when you will see something that you're expecting, because nobody knows. Keep your eyes open all the time. Well, what happens when we keep our eyes open all the time is not that we're just looking and looking and looking for Jesus forever and waiting and waiting and not seeing him. We are seeing him over and over and over. And, you know, we're getting the chance to follow him because we can't follow what we don't see. We can't follow what we sleep through. You know, this is about watchfulness and wakefulness because if Jesus is our model for living in the world, then we truly have to be awake to see it and follow it. Because, you know, if we're, if we, Jesus is not just the Savior who appears out of the clouds, you know, to, you know, with a big trumpet, I mean, that's, that's all scriptural and it's powerful and it's beautiful, but we will find Jesus within every single person and within our own hearts if we keep awake, if we tune in our minds and our bodies and our spirits to it. And um, it's not, you know, it's not something that we can be asleep to because our effort and our wakefulness is required for Jesus's full presence to really mean something and really start working in our lives. Yes, we cannot talk about this without discussing the rapture. Because this oh. is often a rapture proof text where you where it says, then two will be in the field and one will be taken and one will be left and two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. And a lot of rapture people like to say, see, this is when Jesus comes back. Uh, he's going to take one and leave one behind. Mm. You may have heard yes. of some books called Left Behind. Mm hmm. I've I've heard of those books uh -huh. and uh, and I think something called the late great planet Earth. And oh, yes, yes. I I um, I have only read about them. I actually I have read some of the Left Behind series, but I've read it through the lens of Slacktivist, a Pathios blogger uh -huh. named Fred Clark, who yes. just in a hilarious way, um, goes through and debunks every single portion of it. So I haven't really read it through the most sympathetic lens because really this is unsympathetic theology. This is a theology of division. This is a theology of the saved versus the damned. And Jesus came to save everyone from our own worst instincts towards violence. Jesus came to save us from the violence that we use to assert ourselves over and against others. So this is not about a rapture of some being chosen by God to ascend to heaven while others are left behind. 
um, this passage is actually talking about, about judgment coming for some. And those who are taken are the ones who are who are in bad shape, but it's not Jesus doing the taking. It's, you know, our our own systems of violence are going to come and claim lives. And some will be some lives will be claimed by violence and judgment. And others won't be right away. <laughs> we can all fall under judgment and destruction if we're well, not yeah. yeah. Yeah, the whole chapter 24 uh, begins, and in the middle of it is also this reflection on the temple. Uh, and what happens to the temple? It gets destroyed in the year 70 AD. And so what what happened? The Romans came in, they destroyed the temple, they took some people and left some people behind. So the ones who are taking uh, are is the Roman Empire. Uh, right. They're the ones who are taking lives. And the whole thing about rapture theology uh, is that it is based on an ancient heresy called Gnosticism. Can I drop some Gnosticism on you in the last five minutes of this podcast? I'm going to yeah, do go it ahead. anyway. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it. Gnosticism was partly this idea uh, that the world is evil and our whole mission is to escape the physical world with our spiritual bodies. And so the rapture is taking off of this ancient Christian heresy by saying, okay, someday Jesus is going to come and he's going to elevate us spiritually so that we escape this evil world. But that's not, that's, that is what rapture theology is trying to get at, but that's not what this passage is saying. You right. can easily interpret this passage and what Jesus constantly tells his disciples is there is no exit plan. <laughs> mm -hmm. There is no God who's going to come and save you from this. That's what the cross is about. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. As followers of Jesus, we are going to have to stay in this world for the long haul and try to follow Jesus in order to bring a little bit of heaven down here on earth. That's what the prayer, that's what the Lord's prayer is all about. It's us participating in a different way of life than what was happening in the days of Noah. It's about participating in a day of life where we share our daily bread with one another so that everybody has enough bread to eat and enough right. shelter to be right. protected from. So yes, amen. So yeah, yeah. So when, when if somebody comes at you with rapture theology in this, tell them that that's an ancient heresy and that they are here to live into God's good world because right, it is good and we need to live as if it is good. Right, right. You know, when I think about what it might mean to be taken today, um, a couple things come to mind. I think of I think of a draft which sends some people off to war while others not. Um, I, I also think of, you know, especially when I think of the scene of the field and the women together, I think of drone strikes and just taking out someone, you know, and someone a safe distance away would not be okay, they'd be traumatized, but, you know, safe from that particular blast. 
And what Jesus is talking about is our world of violence. And that is, you know, that's a terrifying world. And Jesus is not giving us any kind of free ticket out of there. But Jesus is coming to transform the violence. And there is no escape from it. There is only the work of transformation, which comes from seeing our own violence for what it is and seeing how the ways we define ourselves over and against others can lead to this kind of violence, which can destroy us all. But the way out of that is to see ourselves together, to see ourselves forgiven, to see that the best of who we are is bound up in the one that loves all of us. And therefore, when we love each other, that's when we find our truest selves, not when we destroy each other. That's what this is all about. It's a very, it's a very sobering passage. But this week of Advent, this very first week that Jesus is very straightforward about the violent world that we live in. This is also the theme for the first Sunday of Advent is hope because this world of pain and suffering and violence is the world that Jesus comes into to give us hope, to give us not a free ticket out, but a transformation of our own hearts so that all of this violence can be transformed into into reconciliation and community and love. Those are great thoughts, Lindsay. Uh, friends, I am Adam Erickson. And I'm Lindsay Paris Lopez. And that's all from this episode of Jesus Unmasked. Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or even your enemies because Jesus calls us to love them too. Until next time, take care.